The OCD and Anxiety Podcast by Robert James Coaching. Hello and welcome to the OCD and Anxiety Podcast, where we explore how to have a more positive relationship with anxiety disorders taking back control so that you can start living the life you choose and not the one chosen by your fears. Hello and welcome to episode 24 of the podcast. Uh, I hope you guys are doing well. Unfortunately, here things are not looking too great. Uh, The bars and restaurants have been shut down again. And we are looking like we're moving maybe towards another lockdown. I sincerely hope not. Um, But I hope where you are, it's at least a little better and a little brighter. Um, Now, if you are struggling with OCD and anxiety, um, on my my website, I have a free mini course uh, to help you with that. It's got loads of information about um, how I learned to deal with anxiety better, uh, about acceptance, about values and also about um, how to um, unhook yourself from really difficult obsessive thoughts. Uh, To get access to that course, all you need to do is go to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com and just enter your email in there and you can get free access to that course. Go on, give it a go. You'll love it. So moving on with today's show. Uh, Today I interview Antonio from Mexico City. Antonio um, started struggling initially with Tourette's and uh, then when he was a little bit older he started to to struggle with OCD as well and um, he ended up at, well, at that time there wasn't really many therapists to help him with OCD in, uh, in Mexico City so he ended up going to a residential center in the US uh, to two different ones uh, to try to, to try to deal with his OCD and try to, to overcome it. Um, but neither of these experiences really helped him. Uh, and then actually he really went down some pretty extreme routes for trying to deal with uh, his OCD that he's going to explain uh, in this conversation. Um, but ultimately in the end, he found that um, you know ERP and, and a good therapist and uh, traditional routes uh, were the things that really helped him the most. Uh, so this is a really fascinating story. I, I really do think you'll find it uh, interesting and helpful, and uh, I really hope you enjoy. Many thanks, guys. Welcome to the podcast, Antonio. Hi, Rob. I'm glad to be here with you, and thanks for having me on your podcast. Thanks for coming on. So to start off with, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself, please? Sure. My name is Antonio Fernandez. I live in Mexico City. I was born here. Right now, I'm 33 years old. Um, I was born with Tourette syndrome. I had a lot of tics. For example, I was blinking my eyes a lot. Mm. Um, I was cursing in some places where I shouldn't, <laughs> be, uh, where I shouldn't uh, do that. And I was just like in a really anxious uh, mood. Yeah. And then, yeah. And wow, what, so what was that like growing up as a child having having Tourette's and you know obviously Tourette's is, is fairly well known for for people 
swearing or cursing, you know, when they uh, at times when they shouldn't be. And I, I imagine that that was probably quite embarrassing or at times and must have been quite difficult. Yeah, it was very embarrassing because, for example, when I was at a restaurant eating, hmm. all of a sudden I just started cursing and just saying some bad words and all the people just like looked at me like, what was happening to him, you know? So, <laughs> yeah, it was a little bit embarrassing and yeah, and funny. Yeah, I guess like if you if you can view it, uh, you know, like in a funny way, uh, despite it obviously being quite distressing, if you if you can try to see the funny side of it, I, I imagine that helps. Yeah, exactly. Because you, if you, like you are saying, if you can change your perspective and you can see that, like as a funny view of it I mean it takes down like the embarrassment or the guilt or mm. you know so yeah it yeah. helps to 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 lessen the burden so yeah okay so you're growing up in Mexico City and um you know you you had this childhood experience with with Tourette's and but did that did that kind of clear up at some point did it improve did it get better and did you learn how to to deal with that yeah sure it improved because uh, I was diagnosed by a psychiatrist and I for the Tourette syndrome. Mm. And then I started also taking therapy. Yes. Therapy. I went like with two or three therapists here at home. Yeah. And they helped me a lot because they helped me control my, my Tourette syndrome. So on my tics. So mm. it helped me, yeah, to recover my life. And it, yeah, and it started to get better like when I was um, 10 or 11 years old. Okay. And then I had like a pretty good uh, adolescence. Okay. So yeah, so you had a good adolescence and you were, you were you know, the, the Tourette's kind of, uh, you learned how to deal with that. You had some good therapy and it worked. But then OCD came along, correct? Exactly. The OCD came along <laughs> when I turned like 19 years old. Yeah. And I remember that it all started like with contamination OCD. So, for example, when my mom got back to the supermarket from the supermarket, sorry, yeah, I remember that I started like to wash my hands a lot in an obsessive, excessive way because I thought I was contaminated with germs and I was going to um, contaminate my family members, and so it, that that's when my my true problem started with in my life. Wow, yeah, so contamination OCD. Bit yeah, of a, contamination bit of a classic OCD. one there. And uh, okay, and so what were some of the, you know, worst symptoms with that? And, and how, did, how did it progress over time? Sure, well, as I said, I started with contamination OCD, but, it, but then it morphed, for example, to symmetry OCD, um, perfectionism OCD. For example, I, I remember that if I wanted like to read a text or an article, I had to read like a hundred, a hundred billion times because I, I, my brain didn't believe that I understood what I just read. Mm. So I had to reread a, a lot. And, and that was really distressing for me because I couldn't retain information in my brain. And so I had to repeat a lot of activities or, or for example, another perfectionism. I remember that when I was writing, for example, if one word or one letter was like, it didn't feel right for me. I like to rip up the page 
and Florida Williams started all over again. So yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh, that's really interesting because perfectionism. There's such a link between OCD and perfectionism. Not everyone who is a perfectionist also obviously has OCD, but there does seem to be a lot of people who struggle with perfectionism that also struggle with OCD. And so when you were reading, you're saying that you found it very difficult to read because unless you completely 100, 100% understood a passage or, you know, the text that you just read, you'd have to start again. Yeah, exactly. For example, I remember when I was in school, mm. I was trying like to read some article or some homework and my brain just couldn't retain information, as I just said before. So I had like to reread it again. And that took me a lot of time and I was really distressing. Mm. And, that, and that increased my anxiousness. A lot, so yeah, it was really difficult. So wh why do you think you weren't able to retain the information? Do you think that was just because you were very anxious about it? Exactly, yeah, I was very anxious. I was in a very anxious state. Mm. So my brain wasn't very still or quiet. And that's, that's, one, that's the main reason I think that I can retain the information I had, and I had to repeat the activity mm. from the beginning, so yeah. Okay, and so um, over time, things progressed and uh, the OCD didn't just stay on contamination, as you kind of mentioned, it went on to different areas. And uh, um, what, what were some of the most difficult uh, um, themes that you were experiencing? Sure. Yeah, as time passed, my OCD progressed and morphed into another most difficult thing, themes, mm. like, for example, pure OCD, for example, um, I started like to have the worry of my sexual orientation. For example, I started like to have the thought of what if I'm gay. Mm. So, and that started like really scare me because I started like to question everything, you know, I started like to play with my identity because I'm heterosexual, mm. I like women, but these thoughts started like to really creep inside my head and I just couldn't get it off. I started like to do I remember more than six hours or seven hours of mental compulsions. Mm. And I think that the sexual orientation or HOCD was like the worst um, theme of OCD that I have to deal with. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah, I, I've, just done, uh, I've just done an episode on uh, HOCD. Uh, the previous, okay, that's cool. I'm going to listen to it. Yeah, it's, uh, I think it's a really stressful area because, you know, like you just said really well, you know, it really attacks your, your self-identity. And uh, when OCD does that, it, it really messes with you because, you know, you, uh, ev ev you know, everything you do in your life, everywhere you go and people you see, like your, your self-identity, your kind of sexual identity is very important, you know, to, to be able to understand that. And, uh, you know, either one way or the other, but it's, it's 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 difficult if you're having this constant doubt and uh it, it can really really uh, make make life very difficult yeah exactly because it's it starts playing like with your self-identity i mean it's, it's very different for example like if you have like okay i'm going to get contaminated i'm go I, I feel contaminated and then i'm going to wash my hands mm. but here is more difficult because it's it's all mental i mean you don't have physical compulsions you are doing all mental compulsions so it's very difficult. Um, for example, you start isolating yourself. I mean, I started like to lose friends because I was like really scared. I was really anxious. I didn't know what was going on with my life. I had to drop out of school. I had to drop out of work. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it was a very stressful time in my life. 
yeah. as I said, it was like the most difficult theme that I had to to expose myself to. Yeah, I think yeah, one of the problems with um, you know purely obsessional OCD is is that it's sometimes the the compulsions that you're doing are very hard to to spot. Sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing them. And, uh, you know, that, that can be, that can be really difficult with classical kind of, uh, OCD, like hand washing or contamination, these kinds of areas they're they're obviously equally as difficult, but at least, you know, what the compulsions are, um, you know, it's, uh, it's yeah, bit... exactly. Yeah. I mean, both are very difficult physical compulsions and mental compulsions yeah. or in the mental compulsions part. I mean, you have to be very conscious. You have to be very aware between the different um, and acknowledge the difference between the obsessive thought and the compulsions, because mm. it could it can be a very fine line between those. Absolutely, so you have to yeah. be like very, very aware of those and yeah. start working in the exposure and response prevention field. Yeah, yeah. Okay, and so you know things uh, as you just mentioned there, things were getting worse over time. You kind of lost a, a few friendships over this and you were kind of having to retreat into yourself so um you know what did you what did you end up doing to try to you know resolve these issues surrounding the ocd yes at that time i was seeing a therapist at home mm. but unfortunately he wasn't specialized in mm. the ocd treatment and the and in erp i mean he didn't have the training and the capacity for, for people with OCD. So I started like to talk with my parents and we found out that in the United States, there were like two residential programs, one in Chicago. Well, actually there were in a lot of places, but the one I went, it was in Chicago mm. and I stayed there like for one month and a half. Yeah. And I was like really scared when I went to Chicago and I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was like in the beginning of my treatment and I just didn't want to expose myself to the, to the exposure that my therapist told me that I needed to do, that I shouldn't do. Mm. Um, well, yeah, wow. that was the beginning. Wow, so you actually, you went to a full-on residential OCD uh, place. So you left, you left Mexico City, you, you traveled with, I mean, how old were you when you went to this place? I think I was like 22 or 23 years old. It was, okay. it was that summer yeah. that so I traveled to Chicago. Okay, so you traveled to, to uh, Chicago. And, uh, and, and, and what, was, what was it like, this place? What was your day-to-day -day experience, um, you know, living in this residential OCD center and, and kind of what, what were they teaching you? Well, I lived in the facility treatment. Mm. Um, and it was really intensive exposure, you know, day by day, because for example, I'm going to tell you one day, for example, I woke up like seven or 8 a.m. Mm. And then the first thing I had breakfast and then we started like with exposures like from 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. So it was like two or three hours of intense exposure uh, wow. activities. Wow. And then they gave us like, one or two hours from, you know, free time. So I went outside, I just played some soccer. Um, I met there and then we came back, we had some lunch and then we, we, start, we started all uh, the afternoon exposures. 
mm. another two or three hours, like from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Wow. And then we finished and I went to bed. So that, wow. that was pretty much my, my days. And, and the exposures were, were pretty intense exposures. Were they really trying to push you to, you know, to face well, your no, face? Well, no. First of all, like, I did, they made me do like a hierarchy exposure list. Yeah. yeah. For example, I started like very gradually and systematically. Mm. So I started like to expose myself uh, to, a, to, to my very least uh, exposure to the one that scared me the least. Yeah. Which, is what, they, which is what they should be doing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, actually, that's a perfect treatment. I mean, yeah, from your audience that are listening to us, yeah, they are considering the same treatment. They need to start with the least exposures, with yeah. the least uh, activity that provokes them the yeah less anxiety. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, and so you know, so you spent how long were you there for in this place in Chicago? I was there like for I I should have been there for like four months, but mm. as I said before. I was really scared. I was really anxious, mm. and I didn't know what was going on. So I, I did everything like to, to get back home. I didn't finish right. the treatment actually, and I talked to my parents. I talked with my dad, and I said that I just wanted to go back home, and because I wasn't ready to, to, to get treatment, yeah, and I and I went back home. Okay, so you felt like you weren't ready for the experience, and so, so actually, like uh, the work really wasn't all that helpful in the end. So you, so yeah. you, came, so you came back, and um, what did you do then? Well, I came back home and I talked with my parents again. I mean, I apologized for not getting the treatment done, and I asked them for another opportunity. So they sent me to another full residential treatment program in Houston this time. Wow. So, yeah, I went to Houston then. Well, at least you were getting like a tour of the United States, you know, it's not all bad. No. <laughs> yeah, I was, knowing the, I was knowing a lot of states very yeah. well. So, yeah. And then I went to Houston and, it, and I think it was like the same pattern that I, that I repeated because still I was in, in a very anxious mood. I didn't know what was going on. I mean, I was really scared. I was really anxious. Um, and I, I just didn't want to confront my fears. That's the, that's the core truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, so you came back and, uh, you know, I, I imagine quite frustrated at that time, no? having kind of, you, obviously you wanted to get better, but it's doing ERP isn't easy, as we know. It's, it's, it's difficult. So exactly. uh, I, wanted, I wanted to get better, but I wasn't ready to confront my fears. Mm -hmm. I wasn't ready to do the exposure and experiential therapy. And as we know, that's the gold treatment standard for, for OCD, you know, for yeah. people suffering with OCD. Yeah. But I was just wasn't ready. I was really fearful and a very anxious state. And yeah. I was going through a really, really, really hard time in my life at that point. Yeah, I was going to say, like, so you must have been feeling pretty bad at that at that moment, you know, because although it's not your fault, I imagine that you you would feel like, oh, what, you know, have I have I failed here, or you know, it's, it's yeah, exactly, uh, because as know. I was feeling bad uh, because of the OCD, I also was feeling like as a failure, because I I I was like. Um, regretting not taking the opportunity that my parents gave me 
sending, mm. it, sending me to the full residential program. So mm. I also started like feeling that's a failure. So, so that was, was that, so that was like a really hard moment, I imagine, like uh, to deal with. Yeah, because I was experiencing like a lot of emotions, you know, negative emotions, mm. you know, frustration, anxiety, um, fearfulness, um, shame, guilt, failure. So yeah. Yeah, it was like a, I was like in a mix of emotions at that time. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing how, how many different emotions OCD can bring up in you. These different, different negative emotions that you really experience and you meet them head on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so what happened next then? Well, when I came back home from Mexico City, I mean, sorry, from Houston, when I came from Houston, mm. I started like to research on the internet, some other different treatment options, mm. like, for example, um, new medicines or new therapists or yes. new treatment options. And then I remember one day, as I was searching on Google, I came up with this surgery, brain surgery, mm. called DBS, the brain stimulation. Yeah. Um, I want to mention this. Uh, I mean, I did it, and I'm going to explain in a little bit uh, what was the process. What I want to mention that this should be like the last resourceful. It should be like the last resource for the people. I mean, they first should try like treatment and medicines. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a really hard process to go through. Yeah, I think it's a really good point that you just made there. But um, okay, so can you tell us about, about that process then? Sure. Well, as I said, I was searching on the internet and I got, I found this treatment. Mm. And I started like to investigate a little bit more, you know, where do they do it in a lot of places in Europe, in the United States, here in Mexico, in South America. And I came across with a really, with, a, with this good doctor here in Mexico City, did the surgery. Mm. So I made an appointment with him just to talk with him about what was the surgery. I mean, what was the rate of success? Um, and what was the, the rate of success? I can't remember very well because I had the surgery done in 2009, November 2009, but I think he told me it was like 51% or 51 to 57%. I mean, it wasn't that high. So yeah. it was like... Um, I, I, want, I wonder if that's actually true as well, those statistics, because I'm quite suspicious of things like this. Like, like you were just saying before, you know, it's a very intrusive thing to do and, you know, potentially could be dangerous or... You know, and so, and there's so many other methods and so many approaches that you found out about since, and that I found out about, and many other people are realizing, you know, that we can overcome OCD in, in healthy ways. But at the same time, I do understand, you know, having had a, like, you know, having been in that place of OCD where you're so fed up and frustrated, you know, you, you look at options like that and you think, God, if this, if this works, then wow, it would be amazing. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like you're I saying. see the temptation, you know, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I totally agree with you because like you're saying, I was like in a really fearful state. I was like in a very bad state. So I was betting all. Hmm. I was betting my health for hmm. this operation, three operations. So I just wanted like to get better quickly without doing the work. Hmm. So that's what I mentioned. No, I mean, if you are going to do the surgery, fine. 
but use it as a last tool, as a last. We, we would say a lot, the last resort. Yeah, exactly. The, the last yeah. resource. Yeah. Because first you need to do like a really, really good ERP treatment. Yeah. Combined with medicine. That's yeah. the best treatment for OCD. Yeah. Okay. Um, so, so you got this, this operation done. What, can you tell us what the operation involves? Sure. Yeah, I got this operation done. I mean, it's called DBS, the brain stimulation therapy, uh, sorry, surgery. So they open like two little holes in your brain and mm. they insert like these little metal tubes. Mm. Like they, I think they, they um, weigh, no, they, I don't know how this word. Um, well, they, they were like two centimeters. Yes. Okay. And they inserted in through your brain wow. to the base of your brain. Then they open uh, your ear. They open no, I mean not your ear. The the part from behind your ear. Okay. And then yeah. they insert two cables. Yeah. And then they open your chest, and they put and they put you. They put inside two brain peacemakers. Okay. And so it's all see. connected through. It's all connected through the through the system. Wow. Okay. Yeah, and the object, objective of the surgery is like they tried like to regulate your energy, your brain energy. So mm. yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a very long and difficult process to go through. Yeah, I can imagine. So so you so you did that. I mean, was it uh, obviously it's quite an intrusive, um, you know, operation. Was it very, very painful? Yeah, I was, I, I, I was yeah, exactly. No, I mean, it, it was like a 18 hour surgery, I remember. I wow. mean, I got in like at 8 a.m. and I was out like 10, 11 p.m. in the night. Wow. Wow. Yeah. 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 Very intrusive. And, and was it very painful afterwards, like the healing time, the healing process? No, it wasn't, it wasn't painful. I mean, the reality for me is just that it didn't work. So I was really, I was, got, I got really frustrated because it didn't work. I mean, <laughs> um, I had to, I had another surgery done. So they, because I wanted, uh, I didn't wanted this like pieces of machine inside of my body. They didn't work, right? So yeah, they took it out. Wow. Okay. So you had to have another operation to get it out because it, because it didn't work. So you, so you didn't feel any benefit from it at all. Any benefit at all? I mean, I just. I was in the same state as before I got the surgery done. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, as I said, it was a bet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so so then more frustration, I imagine. Yeah, exactly. The triple of frustration, the triple of anxiety, the triple of fearfulness because I was I was running out of options. Mm. I mean, I I was like really really losing my life. I was losing all hope. I mean, I started like to have suicidal thoughts. So I was mm. losing all hopes and I, I just didn't thought I was, I was in a place of, of power anymore. I mean, I, I, I didn't. That's the word. I, that's the word, I think. That, that's yeah. a really important word that one I try to focus on quite a lot is power because OCD can really take away from that feeling of power you know you feel like you've lost your control over things and that's a horrible place to be 
you know like in my coaching i'm always focusing as much as i can on like okay let's focus on the on you know the power that we do have you know the control that we do have in many situations because we do have so much more control than we realize you know it's like with with ocd it's like we always have a choice but when we're really stuck in the ocd we we don't think we do you know we feel like we are kind of uh we are kind of lost and we're forced to do whatever the ocd says and that's not true you know and slowly over time if we we begin to change our behaviors and our actions we begin to see that actually you know we have a lot more control and we can take some of that power back and that's a good feeling yeah exactly like you're saying i mean it's all about control and it's all about making the right choices for us mm. it's all about concentrating on what we have control over and just letting go and over the things that we do not control for example the weather um, you know the economy our thoughts in this case for OCD you know like yeah. you are saying and I totally agree with you we don't have control over our behavior and our things and how we react to that to those thoughts because I mean the brain just works like that the brain just pops thoughts random thoughts all the time mm. so we just need like to learn to control the behaviors and not do the compulsions and if we do that gradually and systematically without putting pressure on us with a time yeah with a time factor with a time element we're yeah. going to get better at some point I, absolutely trust me. absolutely okay so let's let's move on then to to this the next part of the story because obviously you know there things get better fortunately so can you tell us what happens next please sure after i got the after i got the surgery done and didn't work I started like to question myself a lot and I started like to, to really think myself if I really wanted like to live and and if I were and if I was going to I was going to live like a, my full potential. So I make a choice. I was going to go all in in the ERP treatment. And that's exactly what I did. I started like to get a new therapist, I got a new psychiatrist mm. and I went all in. And I, it was really difficult, yes. It was really stressful. Um, what I went all in, I started like to, to make my exposures really good. And I, I became a lot better and I was very healthy after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. And so, and, and so did, it, did it help? So you, found, you managed to, to find in the end a therapist in, in Mexico that uh, yes. was able yes, to because I remember I remember after the surgery mm. I also started to, to research again on the internet and I came across with the International OCD Foundation mm. and I went to the conference I went to the international wow. conference in Atlanta yeah. in 2016 yeah yeah and right there I met a Mexican therapist that she was a specialist in OCD fantastic yeah, yeah. so that was uh, so that was so that was 2016 yeah, 2016, yes. Wow. And so you started working with her. And how long did it take working with her until you started to see some, some big improvements? I started like to see improvements after I was working with her like for one year or one year and a half. Okay. For actually truly doing the work. I mean, I was not missing therapy hmm. like in the past. I was taking my meds. I was doing my exposures. I was 
I mean, yeah, it was difficult. For example, when I was doing, for example, an exposure, like it was like, at a, I, I read it like at a nine or seven or 10. Mm-hmm. It was really difficult, but I stayed I stayed in that um, anxious state moment. And then all of a sudden, if I let it and I didn't like try to control the anxiousness, mm. the anxious just went down. And yeah, my, I was desensitizing my brain to, to those fears. Yeah. So there's, there's a couple of things that I want to kind of pick apart a little bit. Um, so, so one is that, you know, clearly it, this wasn't a quick turnaround. You know, you, you found the right kind of therapist for you and that was helpful. But, you know, also it didn't happen overnight. This, this process took time, yeah? Yeah, exactly. It took a lot of time. There's no quick fix mm. in, this, in, the, in the treatment. I mean, if you really want to recover, you have to do the work. You have mm. to put in the hours. You have to put in the effort. You have to take your meds. You have to find a really good specialized um, therapist in treatment of OCD. I mean, you have to... You have to mix all of these factors so you can get really good and take back to your life. Yeah. So time and commitment. Yeah, exactly. Time, commitment, therapy, mm. yeah. really hard work, exposure, and effort. Okay, good. And and the other thing with, with that that I wanted to mention is um obviously, like you know, you you went to these two residential centers and there was so much resistance there for you to do DRP. It was a real struggle. And, and then even, even then later, you know, uh, you were still, like you were just saying then, you know, like you really struggled with doing the, the ERPs. Um, clearly, you've had to develop acceptance. You know, you've had to, because that, that's been completely key to you arriving to where you are today. Have you got any tips for people about how they can, you know, from your own experiences, how they can try to accept this their, their fear a bit better sure well to answer your question yes i started like to develop unconditional self-acceptance and that's key and that's crucial to to your recovery because if you don't develop acceptance you're always going to resist the thoughts and you're never going to get better so you just may like to start very little per little like to just not try to control the thoughts and just let them be. I promise you. If you if you start like to do that, the thoughts are going to the thoughts are going to lose power over you, and you are going to to see that you are going that you can gain momentum of control and momentums of of victory over the thoughts. And you and you can do that by changing your behavior and not reacting to the thoughts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I also remember that I also gave up the resistance. And the, and the fight, because when you stop resisting, when you stop fighting the thoughts, when you stop, um, you know, debating with them, avoiding them, you know, all these reassurance behaviors, mm-hmm. you start winning your, your, your battle. And, that's, and you start getting liberated. And that's a whole new experience. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you, so you, went, you went through with ERP you you learn about this uh kind of extreme acceptance um from from experiencing it and facing your fears you know which is uh you know it's an amazing thing that you've managed to do that and managed to push through that fear uh because i i really believe that ocd like if you when you can overcome it 
by doing the kind of work that you've been doing, it gives you such a, a sense of uh, accomplishment. You know, you, you've actually really accomplished something that's very difficult, um, you know, and that actually can, can help you out in many other areas of life in the future. Um, what would you yeah, think totally about that? Yeah, totally agree with you because like you say, if we can accomplish battling with OCD and we can manage to get our lives back, we get a lot of resilience, mm. not just in the fight of OCD, but in the fight of life. I mean, because we, we people who, who suffer from OCD, we are very resilient, uh, caring, you know, powerful people because we go through a really hard time. So if we learn to manage and control our OCD, I mean, we can manage practically everything that life uh, throws at us. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, import that, that's an important point that you just mm. mentioned. And another thing that I just remember that helped me to build my self-acceptance is reading a lot about stoicism, you know, from Mark Savelli. Yeah, Aurelius. yeah, I love, I love stoicism. Yeah, yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, yeah I actually I, want to do, I want to do a podcast on stoicism. Actually, I'm planning to do one. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah, you should do it because I mean, I learned a lot from the Stoic Greeks and the Romans philosophers. Yeah, and I just adapted their their philosophy of living to my own experience. So yeah, I learned a lot of them from Marcus Aurelius to Epictetus to Epicurus and many more. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Um, and so today, you know, how are you now? Having gone through this experience, you've had this incredible journey. How are you today with the OCD? And it sounds like you're pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I'm actually pretty good. I will say like I'm at a 98 or 99 percent in my yeah. recovery journey. Yeah. I mean, obviously, I still have some intrusive thoughts. But I know my I know what I need to do. I mean, I have my my resourceful belt and I just mm. take whatever tool I need to get in that moment to to combat the OCD. And I don't give into the thoughts anymore. I mean, I don't do the compulsions anymore and they go like this. I mean, for example, if I, if I have a thought like, what if I'm gay? I can disregard it like very quickly because mm. I know that's just a thought and I don't do the mental compulsion that um, keeps the thought going. And if I just say, okay, whatever, yeah, maybe I'm gay. Yeah. I don't care about the thought. That's yeah. when I gain the victory point. Yeah, you're, you're able to, uh... You're able to stop it before the thought gets out of hand because we know what happens. Like as soon as you start ruminating yes. about the thought, exactly. like you're before you know what's happened, you're you know you spent half an hour or an hour thinking about it. So if you can just stop it at the start, it you know that's that's a big part of the process and learning to overcome it. So exactly great. yes, I, I want people to understand this. The, the thought the thought itself is in the problem. I mean, because yeah. we all have these weird, random, intrusive thoughts. Mm. The problem is how we approach the thoughts, how we interact with them. Yeah. If we give, if we, if we, sorry, if we give into them, I mean, that's a problem because if we start like argumenting or debating with the thoughts, mm. that's when the thought start like to to become powerful. So mm. please just don't uh, give into the thoughts. You are not your thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if you, I mean, from all of your experiences, you know, I mean, you've had a lot, um, you know, if you could give one piece of advice to people who are really struggling with OCD um, and anxiety, what would it be? Okay. I'm going to give three pieces of advice that really helped me. First of all, find the right therapist. 
that's crucial. Find the therapies that specialized in CBT and DRP treatment. Mm. Second, if you need to take medicine, take it. I mean, don't just don't, just don't because it's stigmatized. Just don't take it. Please take it because it's really going to help you. For me, it really make a huge difference in my treatment. And third, I'm going to tell you that it's always hope. You can always get better. You can always take your life back. You can always um, come on the other side of the river and you are going to, to get better. I promise, I mean, I've been there. I've been struggling. I, I, I was there for a lot of time and I'm really well now. So there's always hope and there's always light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for your time, Antonio. It's been, it's been great talking to you and hearing. It's your been story. a pleasure, Rob. Thank you. And I hope we can help a lot of people with this episode. So that's it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the episode today. Remember, if you would like to get access to my free mini course for OCD and anxiety, all you need to do is go to my website, www.robertjamescoaching.com. And if you enter your, your, e- your email there, you'll get access to my free mini course. And now just a quick reminder of my disclaimer. Any information that you view on my website, Instagram page, Facebook group, or anywhere else online, or any information that you listen to on the podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to be a substitute for actual medical or mental health advice from a doctor, psychologist, or any other medical or mental health professional.